Hi, uh, welcome to the Recovered AF podcast, episode number two. Uh, my name is Aaron. And I'm Kyle. And uh, I just wanted to do a quick disclosure. We are not affiliated in any way with any 12-step program. Uh, like we said in our first episode, we're just a couple of dudes sharing our experience about going through the work and uh, life in general. So, thanks. Yeah, so last week uh, we re- recorded our first podcast and uh, listened to it uh, with some reluctance after Kyle insisted that I listen to it. <laughs> and uh, so after listening to it, then uh, I thought that we wouldn't be so nervous this week, but then it turns out that I was wrong. Yeah, I am uh, super anxious again, which is probably a good thing, but some growth, right? Yeah. <laughs> Something. <laughs> We we got some really positive feedback from the people that have to give us positive feedback because they're related to us. Yeah, I think no one wanted to uh, shit in our Cheerios <laughs> on, on the first time out, but uh, I do I do think uh, I think the first one went pretty well. Honestly, like I said, we went for an hour, and uh, we got to learn a little bit more about Marty here, and it was it was good. So we're gonna run this thing back and go for round two. Yeah, that's right. And so uh, we did. We learned a little bit about me last week. And uh, I'm always good at talking about myself. But this week, I thought maybe we could take an opportunity to learn a little bit more about Kyle. Um, So the one thing that the one thing like so I grew up, I think my mom, my mom was my mom was hitting the and hitting the rehab circuit back in the 80s mm-hmm. so once she started that then it then it turned into the whole family thing and dad had a fellowship and children had a fellowship and mm-hmm. we did all those things so I sort of grew up uh you know in the fellowship so then when it you know came my time I turned at least you know knew sort of of it and where to go and all of those things one thing that you talked about last week was when you landed in a treatment center that that was your first experience with the 12 steps and that you didn't know because like because like there's like the lingo and the jargon and all of the stuff that you hear right um but i would imagine for somebody that has absolutely no experience with that coming into that kind of thing might be a little odd and i was just sort of wondering like what what you made of all of it, right? Never having been in a treatment center before or, or any exposure to the 12 steps before, I guess, what was your experience with that? Um, yeah, you know, I, uh, honestly, I mean, like my story, I, I grew up, I have a, a biological father who's an alcoholic, but, um, but we, he's still active now, I think. And, um, my, my family just, we, it was just normal life, you know, that was just kind of what we knew. And so, um, that, that piece kind of played an integral part in what like my definition or what I determined an alcoholic to be was. And so, you know, for me, like, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to try to quote the book a bunch, but it does talk about like alcoholic life seeming the only normal one. And for me, like the way my life was unfolding was just normal, you know? So I didn't really know any different. I just was curious why everybody else's life worked out really well and I always ended up having a whole bunch of fucking problems every time I start drinking and I didn't really put it together you know um but when I eventually I I eventually ended landed in treatment and uh I think the one thing that I had was enough 
pain, I guess, enough like misfortune going on in my life that I was kind of open to whatever, you know, um, like when I went to treatment, I did not, I didn't know anything about the 12 steps. I had no idea. But like when I went there, I was thinking I was just going to be held and watched for 30 days to make sure like, okay, this dude's in a, in a cool place up in the mountains and everything's going to be fine. But immediately, you know, I'm starting, they give you like three different books that are related to alcoholism and stuff. And I guess for me, I, I was willing to, to crack the seals on those things and just kind of get into it. And, uh, start reading some of that. And there's a, you know, I remember pretty vividly reading a certain part in the big book and, and, and closing the book and literally saying out loud, like, I'm a fucking alcoholic. Like I just closed the book and I had to like come to that conclusion. And so, um, and I think what was powerful for that wasn't necessarily my outside consequences is what was making it. It was talking about the internal condition and some of that stuff. And I just remember being like, holy shit, like this is me. And so, the lingo and the God thing and, um, being super honest and vulnerable and stuff. I mean, that's not stuff that I was practicing before I got to the 12 steps or anything, but I guess it, it kind of, when I came to that conclusion and, and, and closed the book that morning, it was just kind of like, Oh yeah. All right. Like I, whatever's going to go on here, I guess I'm going to participate in because clearly I didn't, I didn't know, but exactly why, but I just had this in, this I this idea planted inside of me like clearly whatever I'm doing is not working so I guess I had some willingness that manifested in early sobriety that I would listen to people talk about weird shit and and talk about God and you know catch phrases and all of this stuff because I was just like I I got to do something different because I I guess I really thought I was gonna die so and so do you remember like how soon you were in that facility before you read that and like had the the realization that you were an alcoholic. Yeah, I, I was, um, I bet it was within 48 hours of being there. Cause I, uh, I was arrested during my last drunk and, um, I spent like five days in jail and I was, I was detoxed at that point. And then I went to treatment the day I got out of jail. I went to treatment that afternoon. And so, um, for me, I guess, I was there for 24 hours the next day. I, I opened the books and started looking into it and kind of coming to that conclusion that, oh, yeah, like uh, this book kind of hits a little closer to home than I definitely want it to. So one thing that I think that I I don't know, that this sort of illustrates that I like about your story is what happened prior to that last arrest. Um, that's a real, you know, I think a good description of who, who you are and and how you found out about it. And that like prior to that, um, last drunk, you were set to have a, you know, get a promotion at work and, you know, your employer had some background of your history and your history with alcohol and, and knew that there was a potential hiccup there for you. And so like prior to that, like your employer had talked to you about the consequences of your drinking on accepting this promotion, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that is, um, that's a, that's a pretty quality story to, that really, when I look back at it now, just identifies my, my powerlessness over, you know, substances is I, um, I got this promotion and I was supposed to move to a new city and, 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 start this job and I'd been doing this job for for about a month but I was supposed to move here on like on Monday you know and um uh my my boss pulled me into his office and and 
to give you an idea, I had been fired from this job one time before because of drinking and um, left and then tried to explore my own little career path that I went on for a few years and then um, lost a few more jobs during that time period and then went back and started at an entry-level position back at this job. And and so they, they were familiar with my drinking. And I had this ability throughout my entire life really to um, – be successful at times, you know, like kind of build up some sort of, uh, life around myself, you know, and then, and then I have the ability to tear it all down pretty quickly. And so the, my employer was aware of that and they pulled me in and my employer happened this, there's like three, three people in between me and this guy, but this guy happened to be my dad as well. And, um, he pulled me in and, and basically just really expressed his concern for me taking this job and I was going to move down there and me and a buddy were talking about getting a place and this buddy of mine drinks like I do and has had some struggles like I've had and um he uh he we were going to do this and and he just expressed thoroughly his concern and and I looked him dead in the eyes and as as my boss and as my dad and just swore to him that I uh, I would never do anything to ruin this that I I had understood the the implications of of getting this opportunity again and earning it back. And I would never do this and I wouldn't put anybody else through the problems that I've put them through before. And, um, you know, I swore by it and I meant it to, to the core of me, you know, I really did. And I, w- I was arrested the next night <laughs> and, um, that, that, um, I mean, I, and that was the thing is it, it wasn't like a conscious decision of, Oh, I'm, I'm terrified. So I'm just going to go blow this whole fucking thing up. It was just like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm starting a new job. Everything's going to be fine. It's the night before Thanksgiving. I'm going to go out and drink. And I guess it was a couple of days later I was arrested. I was arrested on Black Friday again. (laughs) I've I've had some complications on Black Friday. (laughs) One of the funnier things about your story is that this wasn't the first Thanksgiving you'd spent in jail, right? Or the second. Yes. I have been in... um, I've been in in uh, arrested like three times during black friday period (laughs) um and um i've been in i've yeah i've had some complications around holidays to say the (laughs) least i don't know what it is about them but i've had some struggles i i actually um around christmas had a pretty bad accident one time too and um I've spent my birthday in jail before and stuff, so I've had some struggles. So I get it though, like especially Thanksgiving, because like <clears throat> that's when you know buddies start coming back from college and mm-hmm. everybody's back that week, and it's gonna be a fun weekend, especially the night before Thanksgiving or the night before the night before. And right, but anyway, you start pregaming a few days too soon, and then you know, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, exactly. And for me, it's like, oh yeah, um, I guess the anxiety I feel. Uh, especially before I got sober, you know, I, I felt a lot of anxiety around people drinking and I, from an early onset, you know, I, I blacked out the first time I drank and from an early, I mean, that was, that was what happened to me when I drank. Like I, I had very little control once I started drinking. And so I guess knowing that was what was going to happen is I would try to white knuckle through a lot of stuff and then it would either blow up in my face before a large holiday because I know everyone else is drinking and I got to try to keep it under wraps or immediately afterwards. And so I've just, I've struggled around the holidays a lot. You know, I, it's been a, and 
you know, since I've been sober, that's some of the gifts of, of recovery is, I mean, it's not even a thing anymore, but before I had gotten sober, it, it was terrifying. And my family walked on eggshells around me during the holidays because they knew they were just waiting for an explosion. So, well, and so then the other thing I, you know, wanted to ask you about and, and, uh, you know, not to get into too much, too many of the war stories, but, um, we, you know, we get here and we all progress in different ways to get here. And, and, and some people start drinking a little bit later and, and then have a nice sort of smooth, slow progression in their alcoholism and maybe make it into their thirties uh, or forties or, you know, sometimes even longer. Some people don't start drinking till college. Um, your, your story is, um, sort of early and often, right? Like there was, uh, you, like you said, you blacked out, uh, the first time you drank and then it was sort of, uh, all out from there, right? Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, I joke about this, but it, I mean, it's, it's funny now, but the truth of the matter is like, I thought that blacking out was just what happened when you drank. Like I thought that was what happened because for the first few years of my drinking, that was the only thing that happened, you know? And, um, from the first night I drank, which happened to be the night before Thanksgiving when I was 15, um, I, uh, I blacked out that night and I woke up and, you know, I was violently hung over. I was, I was pretty in in pretty rough shape and, uh, I couldn't eat Thanksgiving. My family was new and I was, you know, it was not a good situation. And all I could think about is I just cannot wait to do that again, you know? And so for me, like that was what happened. And, and, I, uh, I've, I've talked to you about this before, you know, working with people where they, they might've had some experience drinking like other people and, and they're holding on to that idea. Like for me, I, I, it was just never a thing. Like I just, I've never really been able to, to drink like other people. I, I start and it, you know, towards the end of my drinking, a few days would go by in a blackout, you know, I'd start drinking on a Thursday with the intention of having a few beers and I'd wake up on Tuesday and missed work and, you know, just, just long periods of time where I'm just, I'm not even aware of my surroundings or what's going on. And, um, that, I mean, I, I only drank for 11 years, you know, I got sober a month after my 26th birthday. And so I, I only drank for about 10, 11 years, but it was, uh, it was, it was bad from the get go. (laughs) You know, there was no, uh, Oh yeah, I kind of reeled it back in. You know, I I can count a handful of times in my entire life that I was able to successfully predict how many drinks I was going to have once I started. So, yeah, I'm, and like I think the reason why why I wanted to talk about it or why I wanted to ask you about it is because um, you know, uh, you know, I I consider myself an alcoholic uh, like you uh, or an alcoholic also, but, um, <laughs> I don't want to say like you, like if we're sitting around trading drinking stories, I'm probably not going to participate because like, if I do that, I'm just thinking to myself that I probably didn't go hard enough. You know? yeah, yeah. Well, and, <laughs> and, and uh, I, listening to your stories, yeah, I'm like, yeah. I just didn't clearly get after it hard enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think the thing that, that you and I have always really bonded over is our internal condition around it, you know, like how we felt around it. And like, for me, that's the stuff I'm drawn to. Um, I'm not necessarily drawn towards terrible war stories. I think just because for me, like there's not a lot of pride in those things, you know, like I, I had, I have done a lot of damage in my life and a lot of damage to my family and the people around me. And so like, even though I do have some funny stories of weddings and passing out on tables and, you know, like funny things that have, have gone on, look like it was only really funny to me, you know, like no one else was really enjoying that. And for me, 
what I what I believe really resonates is that internal stuff of like fear and um, you know dishonesty and just self selfishness running rampant in my life and not being aware of those things. Like when people talk about that, I'm like, yes, yes, that is exactly how I feel. And um, you know, just my my drinking stories. Some of them are pretty bad, and some what I've had to realize is. I, and I don't know how to say this without sounding like I like it, there's some ego behind it, but like some of my drinking stories are are worse than what other people have experienced. But then again, some uh, people have it worse than I have too. Um, and I try not to uh, stick in that. But yeah, I I definitely I I drank uh, to extremes without without any ability to control it. I guess so. And so, like, you're talking about that internal condition, right? And that, that's the thing that bonds us. And that, um, I don't know, I've heard it described a lot of ways, but just that, um, you know, being less than mm-hmm. and that, that thing that haunts us and, and just not being okay and then alcohol treating that. But, um, like, I don't know. One thing, again, that I find interesting about your story is, like, anybody looking from the outside in, from, like, your high school years and your early 20s, wouldn't have seen that guy. They'd have seen a guy that looked seemingly was pretty well adjusted, um, a guy that got along pretty well with his peers, um, played sports, you know, was a leader on those sports teams, and so like what what the outside world, you know, not knowing was would see this this person having success, seemingly doing well, but like internally, that's not the thing that was going on. Exactly. Yeah. I um, and I I, I don't mean to like hey talk about how great you used to be <laughs> yeah. kind of a thing but no that i mean that's the truth you know i i i did i did really well in school uh, a couple of times in school uh teachers had tried to move me up a couple of classes because i i i, I was somewhat intelligent and and did pretty well in school and and my parents didn't do that and um you know i i i i did play a lot of sports and um yeah, and I think a lot of what was driving me was just insecurity, you know? Like, that was, I got to keep up this facade of, of how how I am and what I do, and, and all of that just is driven by me being terrified of, of failure and being someone that I'm not, and like, oh, yeah, I'm never going to be good enough, so I got to do this perfectly, and I'll do this, and I'll act like this. And, you know, a lot of it was stuff that I, and then to compound on that, like, I don't fucking talk about emotions and how I feel, you know, and, like, in my house, that just wasn't like a really normal thing was like, Oh yeah. How, how are you feeling? You know, like my, my parents are wonderful and they, they've done so much to take care of me and, you know, they love me and they raise me with good principles and stuff. But like, I wouldn't say that we were super good at expressing our feelings. And so for me, like I just kept that shit inside and then tried to paint this picture of like, Oh yeah, if I do this and I get this and this looks this way, my my life is gonna eventually I'll start to feel better and and for me there was there was just always this underlying tone of unhappiness like no matter what I did it didn't feel good enough um no matter you know I I I was a straight-a student and I it didn't feel good and I I played varsity sports from freshman year on and that that wasn't enough and I would try to date pretty girls and I would you know try to get a bunch of friends and and nothing really worked but but then when once I take that drink, you know, I'm like, oh, just that sense of ease, like, oh, and then kind of I'm able to navigate through through life and feel OK. And then I feel a part of and feel like, oh, yeah, this is OK. And this is how how uh, how I should feel. And so then regardless of the consequences of what happens when I drink, 
I'm, I want that feeling back. And so drinking kind of really eased that for me for a long time. And I was racking up consequences early, you know, my, I, I've had lots of tickets. Um, I, I've terrified the living hell out of my parents. You know, I remember being like 16 and my buddies carrying me up to the door, ringing the doorbell and running off and me being unresponsive in my parents' living room at like 16, you know, like unresponsive. They could not wake me up and staying up all night terrified that I'm going to die. And it just continuing to get worse and my problems continuing to manifest. And every time waking up like, oh, yeah, it's going to be different next time. That was bad. But right up into that point was like the sweet spot, you know. And so I um, I don't know. Yeah, like I, my outside life painted the picture of the life that I wanted to feel on the inside, even though I wasn't able to, to do that. So. And so your parents, you know, loving, caring parents that were concerned about this, um, they agreed to bail you out of jail, like on the condition that you went to treatment. Yep. You go to treatment, you get introduced to a 12 step program, come to the realization you're, you might be an alcoholic, do some step work in there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, my, I did step work while I was in treatment. And then when I got out of treatment, I was destined and determined to find a sponsor that was going to let me start at step six because <laughs> I had done the first five in, in treatment, of right. course. And, um, my experience is they don't exist. So <laughs> I, uh, I eventually found a guy though that I really liked and he just had a lot of peace and ease in his life. And so we restarted and then I, uh, kind of just kicked it for a little while. You know, I mean, I, I spent the first four, four and a half months of my sobriety, um, really just doing what I heard, you know, and it wasn't by anyone's fault. They, but I was doing what I heard. I was attending two to three meetings every day. Um, I was, uh, I had a sponsor and name. I, uh, and I was just, you know, I, I had a big book and I would read through it some, but, uh, my sense of urgency that I had in early sobriety quickly faded. Um, as I got even just a, you know, 30, 60 days, the, the idea that I was going to die or that like I was hopeless was kind of disappearing already. And, um, around four months sober, some consequences of my last drunk, came up and I, I found out I was being sued for like $400,000 and, um, from, from the, this accident that I was in. And I found out my driver's license, I thought it was going to be like a 90 day suspension. And I was like, Oh yeah, it'll be fine. And it was a two year suspension. And then I found out that I had to go back to jail for two months. And, um, I found all of that out in, in one day. Uh, I got two letters in the mail that told me that I was losing my license and then that I was being sued. And then I spoke to my attorney and he was like, yeah, dude, you're gonna have to do at least another two weeks in jail. And so that was a pretty shitty day. <laughs> um, you know, like it was like, oh yeah, I'm doing fine. I'm on easy street. I'm going to meetings. Like everything's fine. But when, when that day happened, my immediate thought was like, I want to die or drink. Like that was it. Like I was too terrified to even fathom overcoming any of that. It was like, I'm never going to be able to do that. You know, like it was just it was easier for me to just resort to my old lifestyle, which is pretty suicidal and, and, and drunk. And, um, something happened. I, uh, this is, you know, like a, an idea came to me, like I should just call my sponsor. And, um, to me, like that was the beginning of, of, of recovery for me because 
that's not how I think, right? Like I'm, I'm four months sober. I've done really, I've done a little bit of work, but not, not really thorough. And, and even then this idea comes to me like, oh yeah, I should, I should do something that's a positive move and not drink or die. And, um, I don't know. I did. And, uh, I just started doing the thing, you know, like that, that day propelled me into work. And I, today I'm not so much geared towards like, oh yeah, you have to, uh, you have to be miserable to, to experience growth. But for me early on in, in recovery, that was true. Like I wasn't really doing much. And then I was smacked in the face with this life. And, uh, I jumped into it, man. I, I, I went through the work with my sponsor in the next two months and, uh, have kind of have some more experiences. I go on and backing out of that again. But I mean, that, that was, uh, probably the roughest day since I've been sober, but also I look at it as kind of a turning point in, in my recovery. So one thing I forget because my experience was <clears throat> things took off pretty quickly for me. Things print pretty well. Like I, I don't know, I got hooked up, right. I, I had this experience and whatever. So I didn't have to, I didn't have those, um, I rough spots. I just forget the guys when they get sober, a lot of times shit gets worse than it gets better. Right. And I see that with the guys that I'm trying to sponsor. And it's like this thing where thing like thing, we start going through the work and things starts to get better for them. And then at some point, like life gets real again. And like a lot of times the consequences of what has already happened catches up with them or now maybe their family and, you know, and trust them to try and help out with family problems anymore. And then that shit happens again. And you know, I just, because my experience was, I don't know, I just got hooked up, but I just forget that that shit, that's the shit that happens. It's like life gets real, life gets hard again, especially when you're early on and new at practice. I mean, I guess any time, but still super unpracticed at this kind of, you know. Right. Well, and yeah, exactly. Like the, like practicing faith in those moments isn't like something I'm super comfortable with at that time or a new guy, right? Like, oh yeah, it's going to be okay. Even though it looks like my life is completely fucking over and falling (laughs) apart. Like it'll be fine, you know, like, and my sponsor at the time, he, he was awesome, but I always joke like, oh yeah, he might've just been too sober for me because (laughs) like I call him with like these serious things that I feel like, and he's just like, oh yeah, man, it's probably going to be fine. You know, you're going to be all right. And I'm like, dude, you don't fucking understand. Like my life is falling apart, you know, but like today I see that, you know, I see that like, oh yeah, it is going to be fine. But early in sobriety, I have to kind of put on my, my newcomer cap to try to be useful and be like, yeah, man, like shit gets worse. Like my life from the outside got dramatically worse when I got sober, you know, I, um, I moved out the day after I turned or the day after I graduated high school and uh, vowed to never, never go back. And when I got sober, I had no place to live because I was supposed to be moving in three days and instead got arrested and lost that job. And like, so I had no place to live. And so I ended up having to move back in with my parents. I didn't have a driver's license. I felt like I was fucking 14 <laughs> again, you know, like, oh yeah, I know, you know, like thinking I kind of have the world figured out, but I have no way of navigating it and so I'm living at home again I have no vehicle again I have no driver's license I'm having to go to court every Wednesday and appear in front of a judge I'm having to do drug tests three times a week like I had a bunch of stuff going on you know I took a demotion at work luckily my work gave me a leave of absence which was incredible um and I came back to work with a demotion and I was making you know I was making $11 an hour again or something like I just my life immediately got worse and um like I, that's very real to me because um 
you know, if I would have, for me, if my external life wouldn't have changed, I really don't know if I would have done the work because I was really good at avoiding and evading my internal struggle. So externally, I always use stuff to kind of prop me up and keep, keep me thinking I'm okay. And it kind of took everything collapsing on top of me for me to even look at, holy shit, man, like I, I'm doomed, you know, I got to do something different everywhere. So it's very real to me. And, you know, when a new guy comes in, I just try to try to let him know, like, there's a way out from that. Cause sitting there, you know, three plus years ago, I was like, my life's over. It's never going to be anything again. You know, like I might not drink, but I, it's over. And, uh, today that that's far from true. You know, I have a better life than I would have even drawn up for myself. So, yeah, it's easy. It's easy to forget what it's like. Cause I mean, even for myself, when I got back this time, it was just like the mountain just seemed too big to climb. And yeah. then being on the other side of it, it was just a matter of getting through the work, right? Just getting through the steps and, and then, and then things work themselves out and then I get that, you know, everything that comes with that, but it's hard to remember how overwhelming it was at the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, um, it's daunting. And a lot of people I see are that the faith they have to just do, do, do something isn't there yet. And, and they stay stuck. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't know why, like, I believe that's where I got hooked up, you know, as like, I was able to get a clear picture of what my life looked like. And so I was kind of like, Oh shit, man, I gotta do something else, you know? And then being, you know, and like for me, little, little suggestions wouldn't work. So (laughs) for me, I need a, $400,000 lawsuit (laughs) and going back to jail and losing my license for two years. Like I need big stuff for me to keep my eyes open to the the severity of, of my life. And then, so, and so then that, then you, you hit up your sponsor and then the, then you got willing to work, right? You guys got into the steps and then like, um, what you, you went, you, you busted all the way through or you got, you balked again later or what? Yeah, I, uh, I'm a professional at balking at, <laughs> at, at different parts of this program, which has been great now coming through the other side of it, being able to understand where someone else is at. But um, I, uh, I, months four through six, I did my, I did all of the work up into amends. And then months six through nine of sobriety, I, I was kind of tiptoeing around amends. You know, I had made a couple of low hanging ones. <laughs> I had made ones that, I knew we're going to be okay, but I, uh, I had not really made the ones I needed to, um, you know, the ones that were eating at me and the ones that I was afraid to make that I still was unwilling to make. And around nine months sober, um, (laughs) this is pretty good. Um, Megan and I, we, uh, we, we were just friends at this time, I think, um, we went to Walmart cause we were doing a barbecue for it. We were doing a 12 step barbecue. <laughs> um, we were going to do this thing at the park and all of this. And so we went to Walmart to shop and, uh, I about had a panic. I mean, I think I did have a panic attack in Walmart and like my, I just, I lost it again, you know, and, and I just, I was miserable immediately. I just, it just happened to be in a Walmart, you know, around a bunch of people. And I'm like ramming people with a grocery cart and just like yelling and just, I lost my mind in Walmart. You know, it all kind of came to a head at that moment. And, uh, at that point I was faced with the reality of my life again, that like without, without a program, I, uh, and a power greater than myself, like 
this is my life. You know, it's just a disaster. It's just chaos. And I'm grateful to be able to look at that and be like, oh, yeah, because that that day propelled me into work. I mean, I'm pretty sure I terrified Megan. (laughs) I was just a maniac, you know, and um, trying to do something good, (laughs) you know, like the best (laughs) intentions in the world. And I still manifest and I'm just a (laughs) motherfucker, you know, like just a a jerk. And um, so at that point, it it propelled me to do something different. And um, I I asked for some guidance um, but, at, you know, I did some prayer and meditation and asked for some guidance and, and I was told to go to this sponsorship workshop that was going on in, in our town. And, um, so I showed up there and then I met this dude and this guy was talking about step 10 and 11 and the latter part of the program. And I'm sure other people have talked about it just as eloquently as he did, but something that day, like I was there to hear that and it just clicked and I, I asked that dude to be my sponsor that, you know, I said, dude, I, I need what you have. And, and we walked through how I was going to end things with my other sponsor. And then I started working with this guy and this is our mutual friend, right? Mm -hmm. And this is before you and I had met, but, Mm -hmm. um, I started, I started working with him and, um, we, we picked up where I had kind of left off, which was unique. And I, I don't know. This guy just knew, you know, I believed he knew what was best. And, and so we picked up where, where I had left off with some of my amends. But then we also just slammed into 10 and 11. And we spent a good amount of time, you know, months just kind of studying that part of the book and that part of the program and, and applying it to my life. And um, it was a game changer for me, man. I throw that term out a lot, but it was a game changer. I, uh, I began to sense the flow of like a power greater than me in my life. I was starting to identify how uh, how selfish and self-centered I am still just, even though I'm not drinking, like, oh, yeah, that shit still exists, you know, um, how much fear is coming up. But, like, it was just a game changer for me because I was at that point no longer really clean. I mean, I was cleaning up my past a little bit, but now I'm, like, dealing with who I am today, you know, and that that's a big transition. It's easy to look back and be like, well, I can fix this and this and this. It's hard to be aware of what I'm doing in every day life now but it was huge for me and um him and I worked together for over a year and then uh before he moved the last three weeks before he moved him and I went one through 12 again and I rewrote inventory at that point with him and blasted through all the steps with him again before he moved so when when I was it when when you started working with him you sort of ended up um being put in a faced with an amend they got sort of put in front of you regarding your last drunk that like, just when I hear that story, like that's one of those moments, that's one of those make or break moments. Like when I see guys go back out or guys stay in, it's over shit like that. It's over like what they do in that moment. And like, it's a super powerful effect. Maybe not in the way those people reacted to you, but in like the spiritual healing of what goes on and and the willingness to, to do something like that. Cause you know, in those Amends are hard enough, but I don't know. Maybe could you just share that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my last drunk resulted in a, a pretty big accident with a, a family that that I ended up having an accident with, and um, I hadn't really, I hadn't reached out to them. I hadn't done anything to to clean that up um, out of fear, and I had an ongoing legal case going on. You know, so some of that just kind of keeps me at arm's length, anyways. But uh, the day of my sentencing for for everything that transpired, um, 
it was supposed to be at like nine in the morning. And so I'm there at eight 45 or whatever. And, uh, I, I don't know why, but that my case just kept getting moved back. And so I'm sitting like, it's hard to describe, but the, where the courtroom is, there's like a corner and I'm sitting on one side of the wall and they're sitting around the corner on the other side of the wall. And, um, I'm just terrified. I mean, I'm literally sweating. Like my hair is wet. I'm sweating so much. I'm so anxious. And I know that I need to go over there and I need to say something. And, um, I, I was unwilling for like two hours and it just seemed like, oh yeah, it'll be nine fifteen, And then they'd come out and be like, it's going to be like nine thirty, And then they'd come out and be like, it's actually going to be 10. And then they'd come out and be like, it's going to be ten fifteen. It's going to be ten forty-five, And I'm just sitting there sweating to death about to have a full on anxiety attack. I feel like I'm going to faint and uh, I'm just paralyzed with fear. Like I'm not, I'm not going to go over there. I can't, and the bathroom's over there and I got to, you know, I got to pee and I'm not going to go over there. And I'm just terrified. And, um, something over, you know, I, like for me, I just, I didn't, I, I would love to be like, Oh yeah, I did what every good 12 stepper should do. And I prayed and I meditated and that's for God. Something just smacked me in the face and was like, you got to fucking do this now. You might not ever see these people again. So get your ass up and go do it. And, um, so I, I, I did, man, I went over there, I walked around the corner and I went and I talked to the family that I had, I had wrecked into. And, um, I made amends to the best of my ability. You know, I, I just told them that, uh, I know that there is no way that I'll ever be able to, to repair what I've done. But if there is something that, that I can do, I'm willing to do it. I don't care what it looks like. Um, and I, I try not to say I'm sorry, but like I just said, I am just so truly sorry. And like, there's nothing I'll be able to do to fix this. But I, I tell you, I, you have my word, I will try. And, um, you know, they basically told me that, that they've been keeping tabs on me and that, um, they were glad to hear that I was still sober because this had been, you know, a good amount of time into, into sobriety and, uh, that, that they were, they were a religious family and that they believed in, uh, in what they believed in. And, uh, they, they hoped that I could find that and, uh, to leave them alone, basically that, that he just said, like, I've been thinking about wanting to, you know, hit you in the, hit you in the face <laughs> for, nine months or whatever it was. And, um, I, I just want to say thank you for coming over here and saying that, but, uh, I think the best move is to just leave us alone. And, um, I've done that, you know, and it hasn't been easy because I'm, I'm me, you know, so I want to be like, look at me, I've got three years or whatever. Look at me. I'm doing, I'm, you know, I'm trying. And, and, um, the best thing that I've been able to do is just leave them alone. And, um, God, that w it was powerful, man. Like it was a, overcoming something like that and the fear from that and and following through on whatever direction smacked me in the face you know it was huge and uh, what it did was it propelled me through the rest of my amends honestly because at that point it was like freedom and forgiveness and I experienced a little bit of forgiveness from them and um, it allowed me to believe that I might be able to experience forgiveness from other people so it propelled me through the rest of my amends after that I sent a a card out, uh, like a letter out to, um, to my biological father to try to clean up that too. You know, like it, it just, it, it was another jumping off point for me that really propelled me forward. So it was huge. It was huge. Yeah. That's good stuff. Yeah. Um, and so then you, you hooked up with that second sponsor or mutual friend and, mm -hmm. the, and the one that introduced us and you guys started working with 10 and 11 and getting in depth of those. And then like, 
Like when I started to get to know you and I was trying to, you know, do the minimal possible and, <laughs> yeah. and not find sponsees and, and, uh, you were sponsoring at least like half the treatment center at the time. Like, yeah. so he's sort of the one that also, um, like as a result of 10 and 11 drove you to the importance of 12, right? Like that was where you started sponsoring half of the treatment center at one time. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, he he um he just talked openly and adamantly about um excuse me uh openly and adamantly about um about the necessity of working one on one with another alcoholic and um so when i had kind of gotten through the work i'm like okay and i'm doing 10 and 11 regularly i went to him complaining because no one was asking me to be their sponsor and uh you know, I'm like, dude, I'm just, I'm, I'm fucking killing these shares. I'm at a ton of meetings still. Like, why are people not wanting anything from me? And he's like, well, what are you really doing? You know, like, what are you doing besides going to meetings? And I'm like, I, I don't understand. That's what I'm doing. You know, that, that is what I'm doing. And he was like, yeah, well, and at that point we read, reread through, uh, working with others and talked about me me going out there and trying to carry the message and not just sitting there waiting for someone to show up and uh it smacked me in the face man and and so I started going to our treatment center here in town and for whatever reason I was the only guy there for a long time um there there weren't a lot of other people going in there and so probably for I don't know five five months I was there once a week and it was only me and then a bunch of dudes in treatment and so out of the only choice in the building <laughs> they, they're like i guess this dude's it you know and um i mean i'm sure it, it was it was how it was supposed to be but it uh it worked man and so i got a shitload of practice with these dudes that uh some of them really wanted it and some of them were avoiding jail or whatever but i got i got good experience trying to carry the message and it, it was huge it was another big propelling forward of my program because up until that point, I had taken a lot and I hadn't really given much. You know, I would give something in a share that was meaningful or whatever, but like I hadn't really done anything for a 12-step program. And at that point, it kind of switched into that mentality and it was huge and and it started working. I, I mean, uh, yeah, I was I was working with a good amount of guys in there and I was, uh, I was probably in there four days a week. You know, I was in there for a meeting once a week and then three other times during the week meeting with someone and then one before the meeting and one after the meeting. So, I mean, I was, I was busy. It was good, man. It was awesome. And, um, I don't know. It, it was, it was exactly what I needed. Right. I needed, I just needed to be out there trying to help people. And a lot of those guys have similar stories to mine where unfortunately they got a shitload of consequences and that's kind of what's driving them to where they're at. And I, I was able to share some of my experience with knowing what that's like and still knowing that just because, the court says I got to stay sober. That's not going to be enough. Like, and I got to, I got to do more than that. And so it just, it was a good fit. And I spent the next two years, you know, that was probably around a year sober. And I spent the next two years going there almost every week. So. And so the, the other things that I wanted to ask you about, and I think the one thing that you articulated pretty well last week when we were talking and I was sharing a little bit about my story was like, a lot of the stuff that I was talking about and maybe somebody that's just um, hasn't been where we've been and haven't hasn't lived through it. We live with when we're talking about the things that we've gotten as a gift of this deal. They're like, you know, 
probably listening to it thinking like, welcome to being an adult. Yeah. I don't know exactly. what to tell you. Yeah. Welcome to being a person. Right. You guys are yeah. Over here bragging about. Yeah. Well, cool. And you're almost 30 and you're finally doing things that every adult does. Yeah, good job. Yeah. You're paying your bills. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But, but, but it is like based on your story, based on like the kind of debt that you faced based yeah. on, um, your successful relationships in the past. (laughs) (laughs) Like, um, you, you had a situation too, that, that's, that happened very organically, um, with a girl that was also, you know, about as new as you, Mm -hmm. the AA boy meets AA girl kind of story. But, (laughs) but, um, and, uh, and, and you owed like the IRS a lot of money and that's not really what your situation looks like today. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My, <laughs> when I, uh, I owed the IRS money, I owed my, I owed credit cards, a boatload of money. <laughs> um, I owed my family a boatload of money. I, uh, I, my financial situation was in ruins and we kind of talked a little bit about that last week, but it was in ruins. I mean, I, and then I'm getting sued, you know, so I'm like, I, you know, bankruptcy was a serious conversation that I had to have cause I was just in shambles. And, um, you know, I, I've never had a successful relationship I didn't have a good relationship with my family. Um, I couldn't keep a job. You know, I bounced around the last four years of my drinking through like four jobs. I, uh, and they were ones that I thought was the last one. You know, it's not like I'm like, oh, I hate this. I'm going to move. It's like, this is the one for me. And then I get to another <laughs> spot and I'm like, I can't do it anymore. I got to go somewhere else. And this is the one for me now. It's going to be different. And then, you know, so I, um, yeah, I mean, my life was just in shambles. And so to, to, be here today, you know, like, um, the only debt I owe is a little bit of money to my parents and a, a mortgage. And when I got here, I, I think I had a, bo- I, I might've been at a 500 credit score, <laughs> like maybe like it was bad. And, um, you know, I don't owe any debt to my creditors anymore. I don't owe the IRS any money. I, uh, I barely owe my parents a little bit of money and that's cause they're helping me with a wedding because, uh, Megan and I are engaged now. And, um, you know, uh, Megan and I's relationships like good and, and happy and useful and positive And it's not revolved around what I think is best for me. Um, I just, yeah, it's, it's just a whirlwind, you know, and like, I, I was never going to get a house. I was never going to have another vehicle. I was, I didn't think I was going to live to 30, honestly. Like it just, I just didn't think about it. It was never going to happen for me. And, um, like my, my life is so much better than what I would have drawn up. Like I remember saying like when I got sober, it was like, I just want to not drink and like, that's it, you know? And today I have a, a super strong relationship. I have a dog. I've got, you know, Megan and I spend a ton of time doing like, we go on vacation, we go hiking, we go spend time in the mountains. Um, we go snowboarding, you know, like we go to the lake. Like, um, I just, I'm not in financial insecurity every second of my life. I don't have to like, like I bought a jacket yesterday for like 150 bucks and I was terrified of doing it. And (laughs) Megan is like, just do it, dude. Like you've looked at this jacket for like a week, like just do it, you know? And I'm like, she's like, you deserve it. And I'm still like terrified. And it's like, it's just cause that's how much, some of that is still just like my nature of like, oh yeah, I'm, if I do this, what happens? And it's like, oh yeah, like I'm, I'm okay today, you know, like I have a pretty, of a pretty great life and it's not anything like, I mean, I would love to be like, oh yeah, I'm killing it and I'm a stand up comedian and I'm doing this and I'm doing this and this. It's like, really, I'm just kind of 
being a person, but for me it is beyond anything I would have thought I was going to get, you know. Well, like, yeah, like one of the one of the things that you, you know, funny parts of your story that I liked was, you know, you call your parents to bail you out and they're like, all right, uh, you know, we'll bail you out if you go to treatment and then they come and pick you up and go to take you to treatment and then you start balking at that thing, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> and then, exactly. Like, and then like, what did you tell them? I just told them, yeah, because I, was, I wasn't even out of jail yet. Um, I'm on, you know, I'm on the phone with them and I'm pleading for them to come get me and, uh, they were like, yeah, we'll do that, but we, you, you gotta, you gotta go to treatment. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Of course. I mean, I'll do whatever, you know? And then I get out and I'm immediately like, look, I don't need to go to treatment. I'm just going to move in with you guys. And like, <laughs> shit's going to get figured out. You know, like that's, that's what I need. I just need you guys to supervise me 24 seven and allow me to save some money back up and start paying these things <laughs> off. And like, everything's going to be fine. And, <laughs> and then they, um, they, my, my dad, thank God would told me he stopped the car and was turning around. He's like, I'm bringing you back to jail because that's not what's going on this time. And, uh, so I reluctantly went, but on the way up, I told him, I said, my life is going to be fucking miserable. I hope you know that. Um, <laughs> and you know, like what a dick, you know, <laughs> like trying to shame them into it. But I just told him, I said, yeah, I'll do this thing, but my life is going to be fucking miserable. And, um, it's not, I mean, it's not, it, it's, it's peaceful and it's happy and I get to do more than I ever did. And I have freedom that I never would have thought I had. And like, it's, it's the furthest thing from miserable. And even when I'm having a rough day, like I, it, it's okay. You know, like I just, I have a wonderful life today that I would have never thought was possible, you know? And I, I, that's the stuff I wish I could just like drop that little nugget of insight into someone's mind of like dude i know you think life is over right i'm working with this dude now and he's only been drinking for a few years and he's really having a hard time with like giving it up and i'm like dude i just wish that i could show you like it's okay life is going to be okay it'll be better than what you think and unfortunately like i had to experience that myself no one could give me that and i can't give it to anyone else but i, I can show them through my life you know and and i don't know i just it's so far from miserable. I have friends, you know, like you and I are really good buddies. And like, I've never had a friendship where I can talk like this or be friends with someone about stuff like this. I get along with my old buddies still. They don't care that I don't drink, you know, like those were the things that I'm like, oh yeah, they're not going to want anything to do with me. Oh yeah. Nobody's going to like me. I'm never going to meet a girl. I'm never going to have a friend again. You know, I'm not gonna be able to go golfing. I've never golfed sober. I've never been on a wakeboard without booze in me in my life. Like those things, like I do everything I ever wanted to, you know, every single thing I've ever wanted to, I've been able to do. So, yeah, that's a, sort of the thing. And like, that's, you know, when, when, when you had talked to me about doing this podcast and I thought about it, like, what, what would we want out of it? That was one of the things that life, cause just so many times in the narrative, whether, I don't know, I see stories on the news or I see movies or just, uh, I don't know. So many times the narrative is like the, the, like, how hard life is now, right? And mm -hmm. life is over and, and the everyday battle and being sober is a battle. And like, that's not my experience. That's not the experience I've had. That's not the experience you've had. That's not the experience of probably the people that we're going to have on this podcast. Like right. life is bad as hell. Like nothing, nothing I did before could compare to the life that I get to live today. You know, and it's just the simple shit. And when I find somebody else in the program that's having that experience, because not everybody's having that experience, right. let's just be honest, right? Right. Some people are having the other one, the narrative, the struggle, the day-to-day, -day, you know, for whatever reason. I just got to like, not drink today type of thing. Yeah. And it's like, gosh, man, like, 
it's just not that, you know, that's right. not, it's, that's not it. That's there's, not the life I want. There's so much more out there. There's so much. My cousin sponsor talked about it. She did it for years. She, she calls it living on the crumbs of the program. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I love that. Yeah. Like that, that, that's where it's at. Like, and so when I hear your story, you know, and I know, you know, hear where you came from, you know, and the other thing too, is so many times we think that alcoholics and we hear about them and they're just bad people, you know, and then they're just terrible and, mm-hmm. and that there's something wrong with them and that they're always lying. And that's just not the case. Like, yeah, selfish and self-centered to the core. Right. When I, when you hear, when I hear your story, when I hear that, you know, you tell it, but like, that's not the person you are, at least that's not the person that you are today. Right. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the thing is, you know, like, I just, if I could, that's the thing that, I mean, you, that's what you and I bond over. I mean, that's why our podcast is called recovered as fuck, you know, like, cause it's like just not drinking isn't the life I want anymore. You know, at one point that was the life I wanted and I would give anything to just not drink, you know, but as I got sober and just didn't drink, like life fucking sucked, man. Like it was miserable. You know, I'm, I'm living in meetings. I'm just hanging out with people that that just don't drink and I'm terrified to do anything new in my life. I'm terrified of trying something new. I'm terrified of everything still. And it's like, that is just not the life that I would want even my worst enemy to live. And so today it's like, man, you know, there's, there's a way out of that and there's a way to, to have everything that you wanted. And it might not look the way that I wanted it to, but like as a result of me being a part of this program, putting in the work, building that relationship with a power greater than me, trying to freely give back. I I fucking, I can't complain, honestly. Like, I was thinking this morning, like, if there was something I would complain about, what would it be? And there's just, there's not. I mean, like, yeah, oh, I would love to make more money or blah, 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 blah. Like, I do extremely well, especially for a fucking drunk that's been in and out of treatment and, like, didn't go to college, like, couldn't couldn't put his life together, like... There's just not a complaint, man. And like, you know, the, that, that message I wish was carried more. And like you said, I think that's, that's why this place has a home is because we know a few people like that. And I think doing this thing will get us in touch with more people like that. And it's just going to continue to grow. Yeah. And like when we, you know, when we named this thing, it wasn't like an attempt to be arrogant or anything like that it was like a because this is badass right like exactly. because there is no limit to on how far a person can go in this day right you know i the you know speaker that we always listen to talked about you know like uh the the thimble full of thimble full of water thing right yeah. you take a thimble full you get a thimble full right mm-hmm. how much you want how much god you want right, right? exactly like this deal is there's no cap on this deal right uh all right we're about 55 minutes in or so yeah. is there anything we have a we have a we have a email now because we have to have an email yeah what uh what's our email it's uh recovered af podcast at gmail.com uh feel free to email i'll be watching it and aaron's got access to it try to be gentle with us though <laughs> through the first couple and um yeah you can reach out to us on that and then um we're going to be uploading onto iTunes hopefully and so we'll be ready to ready to go man and I think we're going to try to continue to do at least one a week to get started and then hopefully next week have a guest and then just keep going so 
there is a good possibility that the only four people listening are family members of ours. So if that's you, you don't need to email us. You can just you can just tell me when I come home from work. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so true. But um, yeah, man, um, I'm stoked. Like I said, I the fear of doing something new is always going to be there. But I I really believe that this thing's got some legs. So I think we just keep doing it. So, yeah. And if not, like we're getting something out of the deal, right? Like just doing something that's so terribly uncomfortable yeah. for us. Like this is not like a, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable in a setting of friends, not recording shit and putting it on the internet for anybody <laughs> to listen to. That's not, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's out of my comfort zone. Absolutely. But yeah, man, I'm, I'm stoked. This one went well again. So yeah, cool. Right on. See you.